Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. And follow us on Facebook, or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 711, on the 20th of January, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. And tonight there'll be a full moon, the one generally known as the... The Wolf Moon. To the eastern Native American Passamaquoddy tribe, it was the Whirling Wind Moon. And the Mohawks called it the Big Cold Moon. Of course, this one is especially interesting because there will be a total lunar eclipse tonight, January 20th into the morning of the 21st as the moon slips into Earth's shadow and develops what we'll see as a blood-red coloring. It'll be visible in North and South America as well as parts of Western Europe and Africa. And with the moon appearing a little supersized, since it will be at its closest point to Earth in its elliptical orbit, we'll be getting what some are calling a super blood wolf moon. So yes, late January, a long way from bird migration season in this part of the world. But we can huddle for warmth and dream of World Migratory Bird Day 2019, which will arrive on the 11th of May. This year's World Migratory Bird Day focus has been announced, and around here we're excited to learn that this year's focus is the impacts of plastics on birds. The impact is of great concern, and it's good to know that it's the focus of this year's event. World Migratory Bird Day was created, by the way, back in 2006 to help turn the world's attention to the wonders of bird migration and the need for the conservation of birds. And we'll talk a lot more about this year's event here on Talking Birds as we get closer to that May 11th date. And thanks to our friend and Talking Birds ambassador Andre Dubroy up in Trois-Rivières, Quebec, Canada, for uh, giving us a heads up about this. And she also sent us this little story about this bird. She says in part, A very young morning dove sits on my welcome mat every day. Andre has decided the bird is a female. She says she loves the heat coming from my front door and when we come in with the groceries she does kinda let us go into the house we leave the door open for a while I tumble dry and warm the welcome mat she loves it (laughs) a beautiful little story there and uh, some good info from our friend Andre Dubroy up there in Trois Rivières Quebec in Canada that is not a morning dove That is our mystery bird. A preview here of our mystery bird contest. We'd like to have you get ready for it when we give the signal to call a little bit later on. We have a beautiful big batch of prizes, including the Droll Yankees original iconic A6F classic tube feeder. 
featuring durable metal parts that squirrels can't chew and backed, in fact, by a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Bonus prizes, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. That's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. And we have another bonus prize this morning. It's a 12-ounce bag of delicious, shade-grown, bird-friendly, birds and beans coffee. It's great for the birds, and it's great for anybody who likes to uh, drink coffee. Prizes on our mystery bird contest. Our bird is a very large, round-headed raptor with a five-foot wingspan, mottled gray plumage, and yellow eyes surrounded by dark circles. It could be said that it's not as big as it looks because its large size is the result of fluffy feathers, large head, and long tail. Our bird inhabits the western mountains and northern forests, where it feeds by dive-bombing small mammals, especially rodents. Preview there of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in this morning's show. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos on our Facebook page this week. Get the lowdown on that songbird of prey, the Northern Shrike. We have a connection to a cool newspaper article about it, written by our man, Mike O'Connor. You'll hear about a common grackle on this morning's show, and you can see an unusual one on our Facebook page. It's a leucistic grackle in Central Park. And in Chicago, kids are swapping their phones for binoculars and looking at birds and liking it. We'll connect you to that story from WGN-TV. That's some of what's on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those stories uh, through an online search. Well, one of the things that gives us a thrill here at Talking Birds is when more of our great Talking Birds listeners sign up and become Talking Birds ambassadors. And we have more folks to whom to say thank you this morning. And we start off with our longtime friends, Doug and Lisa Wheeler from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Now, we don't pad our numbers here, so any couple becomes counted as one ambassador. And with that in mind, we can happily announce uh, that Doug and Lisa uh, together have become our 300th Talking Birds ambassador. We should have some fireworks to celebrate. There they are. Thank you, Doug and Lisa. And we'd like to say thank you to another longtime friend of Talking Birds, and that's Rita Dorsheimer from Dedham, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Rita, for becoming an ambassador and for being a friend of the show for so long. And thank you to another new ambassador, and that is Sammy H. from Midland, Texas, who just discovered our podcast, says it's a great informational podcast. Thank you very much, Sammy, and thank you to... Doretta R., also from Texas, in Woodville, Texas. And Doretta says she lives on 50 acres of pine forest in southeast Texas, and she's making it a great habitat for birds and wildlife. How cool is that? Nice going, Doretta, and thank you for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Talking Birds listeners, it's easy to become an ambassador. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, remember that triple hybrid warbler that was discovered a while ago in Pennsylvania? Well, this morning we'll talk to the man who led the study that figured out just what three species made up this bird's identity and how they learn what they are. 
Dr. David Taves from Penn State University will be here with us live. Also this morning, we'll catch up with our man, Mike O'Connor, and Mike will explain or answer the question, is feeding birds really a good idea? And up next, an arguably underrated blackbird is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend likes to rub things on itself. Things like ants, walnut juice, lemons and limes, marigold blossoms, choke cherries, and mothballs. They do this, it's believed, to get rid of parasites in their feathers. It's a bird that eats worms and mice and small fish and other birds at bird feeders and just about anything else that's not nailed down. It's a bird with purple or blue or bronze coloring. Even though its feathers are all black in the male, a little more brownish in the female, it's that iridescence thing. A bird whose song has been described as sounding like a rusty gate. The bird is the common grackle. It's a large blackbird, about a foot long, with a wingspan of nearly a foot and a half a long keel-shaped tail, and yellow eyes. Despite its apparent abundance, the common grackle's populations have actually diminished by 60% in the last 40 years. Since they prefer open landscapes with scattered trees, their numbers peaked as eastern forests were cleared for agriculture in the 18th and 19th centuries. But as the forests grew back in the 20th century, common grackle habitat shrank. A more disturbing cause for their population decline is the fact that since they're perceived as agricultural pests, they're routinely and often illegally exterminated in large numbers. And just as with red-winged blackbirds, the destruction of grackle night roosts also results in the killing of rusty blackbirds, whose population is in very serious decline. Not everyone would agree with this, but we think common grackles really are beautiful birds, especially when the light hits them just so and that beautiful iridescence goes on full display. And if you'd like to get them to hang around your yard so you can see how beautiful they are, spread some seed or grain on the ground. That's where they most like to feed. And while you're out there, squirt a little oil on that gate. The common grackle. Today's Talkin' Birds featured Feathered Friend. Thanks again for being with us here on our show, number 711. As always, we direct you to our website and hope you'll take a look at TalkinBirds.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. Dr. David Taves is an assistant professor in the Department of Biology at Pennsylvania State University. And he joins us here this morning to tell us about his recent paper about a fascinating discovery in Pennsylvania not long ago, that of a hybrid warbler, but not just a hybrid warbler, but what's been described as a triple hybrid warbler, that is to say a hybrid warbler producing an offspring with yet another warbler species. Good morning, Dave. Good morning to you, Ray. Great to have you back on the show again, Dave, and thank you. So what exactly happened here with this triple hybrid? Yeah, so it was <clears throat> a bit of a mystery from the beginning. Uh, in about mid-June, I got an email from a, a birder, Lowell Burkett, in central Pennsylvania. He'd seen this sort of kind of weird 
warbler um, that he couldn't quite recognize. He's a, a photographer, so had a great photograph of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it looked a little bit like uh, a hybrid between a golden wing and blue wing warbler, but it had these sort of red patches on its throat. Mm-hmm. And when he heard it sing, it sang the song of a chestnut-sided warbler. Um, and so uh, I got, it sort of piqued my interest, and so drove down um, and decided to investigate this bird a little bit further. <laughs> well, he was, uh, he was a little nervous about this. Uh, it's, it, I, I, on the Cornell Lab uh, piece about this, he said, I, when he contacted the lab, he said, I tried to make the email sound somewhat intellectual so they wouldn't think I was a crackpot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> we um, we sort of take these, uh, you know, uh, people thinking you know they might have seen a, a hybrid. In many cases, it's it's just a, a different variant or a different species they might not be familiar with. Mm-hmm. But Lowell was very, uh, you know, he had a lot of expertise that he outlined, and it also he was, he was quite persistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we kind of believed him, and the fact that he included pictures with uh, the email up front was was already um, good evidence for for me to take the time to go down and catch this bird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we used sort of mitochondrial DNA to tell us a little bit about the mother, and that suggested that it was either um, a golden wing or a blue wing warbler. Um, we also looked at nuclear DNA, which told us about the father, and that suggested it was a, a chestnut sided warbler. Mm-hmm. Um, and so chestnut-sided warblers are in the genus Cetophaga, um, and gold-wing and blue-wing warblers are in a totally different genus, in the genus Vermivora. So usually we think of, like, hybrids between different species within the same genus, but these things are, you know, over 8 million years of independent evolution. Mm-hmm. And the, the other cool thing is that not only was it uh, sort of a, the mother being a, a pure golden wing and blue wing warbler, but the only bird that had been seen on Lowell's property that was in the genus Formivora was this hybrid female. Um, it's also, it's, you know, these, these birds in the, the golden wing and blue wing warbler system are a little bit confusing because we give names to hybrids, um, but this was called a Brewster's warbler. Um, and so I used uh, sort of a, a number of other genetic markers to actually figure out that that female hybrid was, in fact, uh, very likely the mother of this uh, this hybrid that went on to mate with the chestnut-sided warbler. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a, a sort of a three-way, sort of a hybrid between a golden wing and blue wing warbler producing uh, or mating with a, a, a chestnut-sided warbler and then being able to produce an offspring. So we don't actually know if this sort of weird uh, triple hybrid went on to reproduce. It seemed to sing fine. It seemed, you know, to do everything we would expect a warbler to do. Um, but we put a band on it, and hopefully it will return from its migration uh, this spring. So we'll scout out around the area to see if it's still still in the area, um, and whether it, it is able to produce a nest with potentially a female chestnut-sized warbler. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Gabe, what about the significance of this? And I'm thinking especially in, in light of the fact that uh, the golden wing warblers have declined 
so much. Is there something going on here, do you think, that says to the golden wing warbler, I better just uh, not be so fussy in my mates because uh, there just aren't so many opportunities? Yeah, I mean, the fact that this was observed in a population of um, golden wing warblers uh, in the Appalachians, you know, along the... the um, eastern part of the, the country that's in, you know, these, these golden wings are in decline, and so they may have fewer mates to choose from, and so we'd say they might be making the best of a bad situation so that, you know, this female um, this female Brewster's warbler may have been looking for uh, another uh, golden wing or blue wing warbler mate but wasn't able to find it, and so basically went with what was available, which was lots of chestnut-sided warbler males. And so the fact that, yeah, this, this did in, occur in a population in significant decline kind of tells us um, that these, you know, might be sort of making the best of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Well, we will indeed uh, stay tuned to see what uh, develops uh, maybe this uh, coming spring. Doc- yeah. Dr. David Taves is an assist- assistant professor in the Department of Biology at Pennsylvania State University and led the story that figured out about this triple hybrid warbler while he was at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Dave, thank you so much for that uh, great work, and we uh, hope to talk to you again uh, when more things may develop. Okay. Thanks a lot, Ray. Great talking to you. Coming up next here on Talking Birds, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. <laughs> Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species. And on safari with Nasera safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera safari's founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru. And Nasera safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and gorilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasarasafaris.com, N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. Just a reminder, if you uh, haven't heard our show live and weren't able to participate as a result in our Mystery Bird Contest or otherwise call in to the show, don't forget you can listen live online. Easy to do. Probably the easiest way is just to go to TalkinBirds.com and you'll see the uh, How to Listen button. And uh, just uh, click on that for the easy instructions on how to listen to our show live. That's Sunday morning, 9.30 to 10 Eastern. We're on the mystery bird contest. This is our mystery bird. It's a very large, round-headed raptor with a five-foot wingspan, mottled gray plumage, and yellow eyes with dark circles around them. It could be said it's not as big as it looks because its large size is the result of its fluffy feathers and large head and long tail. Our bird inhabits the western mountains and northern forests, where it feeds by dive-bombing small mammals, especially rodents. I think we had kind of a low level on that earlier on, so I'm going to just play that sound again. Meanwhile, our prizes, the Droll Yankees' original, iconic A6F classic tube feeder, featuring durable metal parts that squirrels can't chew. 
and backed by a lifetime warranty against squirrel damage. Bonus prizes. We have two this morning. A download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. The app that makes learning bird sounds a game. And a 12-ounce bag of delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. The number to call is 781-837-4900. Please don't wait. Please don't hesitate. Call us as soon as you can so we don't run out of time for your call. No correct answer means a drawing will determine the winner, so don't be shy about taking a guess. It could be productive. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, is it a good idea to feed birds? We'll get an answer about that from somebody who knows a lot about the topic. That would be Mike O'Connor from the Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans Cape Cod. It's Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Jeremy Schwartz, and I'm from Seattle, Washington. One of the places I hand out the Talking Birds ambassador cards is at work. I've really found that my coworkers are really enthusiastic about my interest in birds, and being able to share something as simple as a radio show or podcast about birds is something I'm glad to be able to do. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, talkingbirds.com, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at talk. Talkingbirds.com. And thanks. Down to Cape Cod where they've escaped the snow again. That's what they say. That's what they claim. And let's see if it's really true from somebody we might believe. That's Mike O'Connor at the Birdwatchers General School. Oh, my God. It's a beautiful yeah. hit day today. <laughs> yeah. Nothing but sunshine. Right? Oh, my yeah. God. It's so awesome. Yeah. I just got back from the beach and I just got to yeah. put some lotion on because I think yeah. I might have got a burn. Sun comes up about 4 a.m. in the winter there, I think. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's never set on Cape Cod, All right. except at sunset. Well, Mike, you're in the kind of the bird feeding business, and yet you're willing to uh, tackle the topic of whether it's really a good idea to feed birds. It's not necessarily a 100% uh, yes answer. Not 100%. Yeah, and I got this from your little, your, your friend, uh, Andrea Andrea from Quebec. Yes. You mentioned her earlier, and she sent me a link to this, and I read that Cornell had put out this story. And they run these stories once in a while because it's always a topic that people are concerned about is feeding birds a good thing. Now, remember, getting this information from me is like, you know, asking Papa John if pizzas are a good idea. Yeah. You know, this is kind of what I do for a living. But still, I you know it, it's feeding birds. Now there's some downfalls, there's some pros and cons. I think the in the pros in this case certainly outweigh the cons. Um, the birds clearly benefit from it. Uh, they've expanded some birds' natural range with feeders. But more importantly, I think it turns people's opinion about nature and birds in a positive way. People who feed birds tend to listen to shows like Talking Birds. They're more likely to support environmental measures. They're, they're more likely to keep their cats in the house. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to to just appreciate nature on a whole. The cons on, on feet, you know, and we, we, you get to see a cardinal or a hummingbird or an oriole or bluebird up close. That kind of changes your mind on nature, and you'll be more supportive of nature, natural things. 
Um, people worry about if birds become dependent on feeders. I think that's a big concern. The answer pretty much to that is, is no. Um, in nature, food is always disappearing. They land on a, a berry bush, they eat all the berries, and then they move on. They're always running into food sources to disappear. So if you have a feeder and you stop feeding the birds, they'll die. They just continue on looking for food. The concern I think most scientists have with feeders is that can be a place to spread disease. You know, because when birds all congregate in one area, and if one bird is sick, it could pass it on to other other birds. So that's why I always, um, you know, get it on people, get on their case about keeping their feeders clean and maintaining them. You know, and, and, you know, some people are a little bit sloppy, but if you have a feeder, you put the feeder out, and then when you bring it in to fill it, don't top it off. Don't put fresh seed on top of old seed and let it get moldy. Shake it out, clean it out, and occasionally bring it in and wash, wash the thing carefully and keep the ground underneath the feeder clean. If you have a bird bath, change the water regularly. Just don't let rainwater build up and, you know, let the, the droppings from the birds pollute the feeder. Brush it out once in a while and clean it out occasionally. But other than that, I think if you just pay attention to the feeders and, and kind of maintain the area, it, it's not a problem for the birds. And the positives in this case are really good. Because, I mean, we all, we all like to see the birds coming to the feeders. We all like to see the, the, the chickadees and the cardinals and the titmice. And, and in case of Andrea up there in Quebec, she sent me pictures of pine growth. Are you kidding? That's just, wow, that would be a gold bird for me to have in my feeder. Beautiful picture she sent. We'll have that on our Facebook page, too. We might mention, too, Mike, there's a lot of birds that we up in the north here see that maybe, at least in part, are there because of bird feeders and the fact that birds have expanded their range northward because they can get that food. Right, yeah, like um, when, I mean, you're a lot older than I am, so, I'm kidding, but back back to the time, there was no cardinals in, in, here in Massachusetts, where we, we, we are, and they've all, they've expanded north, the Carolina Wren, it's expanded north, the red-bellied woodpecker is expanding north, part of it's, Part of it's climate change. You know, the winters aren't as harsh as they used to be because these birds typically aren't migrating birds. But they do take advantage to make it through some tough times, kind of from feeders that we put out there. Indeed. Well, thank you, young fella. Appreciate all that info. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. All right, Mike. Michael right. Connor down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. The sound of our mystery bird. A very large, round-headed raptor with a five-foot wingspan, mottled gray plumage, and yellow eyes with dark circles around them. Our bird inhabits the western mountains and northern forests, where it feeds by dive-bombing small mammals, especially rodents. Beautiful prizes from Droll Yankees and the Larkwire app and Birds and Beans Coffee. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And we have, I think it's Sky out there, somewhere up there, I should say, in northern Michigan. Good morning, Sky. Good morning. Did I, did I get that right? Yes, Sky and Costa. Hello. Sky and Costa. Okay, I thought maybe you were you were in Costa Rica and northern Michigan or something. <laughs> but now I get it. Okay, Sky and Costa. Not pretty snowy out here this morning. Doesn't look like Costa Rica. How much snow do you have there? We have a little here, too. 
Well, a couple feet on the ground, but we've just been getting a little bit every day. Every day, okay, yeah. We have uh, we have maybe oh five or six inches in in Boston and a three or four here on the South Shore. Nothing like you have there, but you're up in that country that I'm guessing maybe you might see one of our mystery birds. Am I correct about that? Um, I don't think I've ever seen it personally, mm-hmm. but we do. I, if I'm correct, we do get a lot of its kind. <laughs> yes, uh, if you're correct, that's uh, that's the key phrase there. But what do you say the mystery bird is, Sky and Costa? I think it is a great gray owl. And I agree. And the audience agrees, too, and, and we all agree. We're unanimous on that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how it would work if you had disagreed with each other there. We never had that happen before. <laughs> Hey, we're running out of time. Stay on the line, and we'll send those great prizes to you. Jesse will get your info. Thanks for calling in. All right. All right. That is our show for this morning. Thank you so much for being with us, and uh, we hope you'll tell our friends or tell your friends and our friends about the show if you enjoy the program. Thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. And proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org. And follow us on Facebook, or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club.